Welcome to the 250, your weekly podcast with the IB's top 250 movies of all time. I'm your host, Darren Mooney, and joining me as always is my co-host, Andrew Quinn. How are you, Andrew? Bonjour, Darren. Comment allez-vous? Ça va? Ça va bien, merci. Et toi? J'ai un très petit peu de français. Je suis désolé. Un petit peu. Très petit peu. Mon petit champion. Merci beaucoup. Uh, je t'aime, Andrew, je t'aime. Um, but yes, we are talking... <laughs> and we would like to apologize to all French listeners. That's terrible. And yeah, people are turning off their podcast. Like, preemptively. This is a great start to 2022, um, if we're being entirely honest. They're like spitting out their wine. <laughs> In disgust. Um, <laughs> and outrage. They're so angry, they like, butt out their galois. Sacre bleu! I, I, I shouldn't pile onto this, by the way. I realize no, I'm not helping. Yeah, I was <laughs> Double gonna, down. I was, gonna, I, was gonna, I, was gonna, I was reaching for like more like inappropriate things to say. I'm like, what am I doing? And then Darren was this like, is, step this out of my way. This is about Quebecois. Yes, it we is. We should be talking about like hockey and. Um, <laughs> And independence. Yeah, um, yeah. But yes, so as listeners have probably guessed by looking at the name of the podcast, I have to admit, otherwise it's probably been a long road to figure out which movie we are talking about this what's week. what's called a foreign language movie in Hollywood. Yes, yes it is. A foreign language, best, uh, best foreign language film nominee produced up in Canada. So you probably haven't heard of this guy. Yeah, Denis Villeneuve. He's a, he's a fresh, hot new talent. Um, yes, so this is Denis Villeneuve's movie and send days uh, which is a fixture on the list it's one of the two denny villeneuve films that has basically come into the list and remained static the other one is famously prisoners 250 episode number one by the way i've given you a hard time before on pronunciations i was listening to simon mayo and mark remote they have people who write in and tell them how to pronounce things and it's tough like, we, we recently did a Polish movie, and we probably didn't pronounce anyone's name right. That will be next week. And and if you look at it from an English... Oh, sorry. Yes, next week, we will probably do a Polish... We will do a Polish movie, and we'll probably not pronounce it. But if you look at those words as an English reader and read them as they're written, you're going to be completely wrong. In fact, you might be backwards. Yes, and, and I do think we apologize there when uh, mispronouncing the names of um, extreme far-right politicians. Um, <laughs> yeah, we didn't mean to cause any... Um, offense uh, to those extreme uh, right-wing um, politicians. <laughs> but yes, we're talking about a very different uh, movie. Isn't it, isn't it true that you can call people assholes? Uh, it's not... Like, well, it's not defamatory in that, no. like, yeah, no, it's, it's, yeah. it's opinion. It's, it's mere... People are always saying asshole, and if you were to if 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 it was defamation every time you call somebody an asshole, then there would be too many defamation cases. Isn't that the basis of it? You have a law background, Darren. Don't put this. On. <laughs> <laughs> um, Darren is not an expert. This podcast does not constitute legal advice. <laughs> but yes, so Incendies, which is arguably the movie that marked Denis Villeneuve as a talent worth watching. Technically, his third film produced, um, although he writes off his first two. He produced two films in the late... Piranha 3D. Uh, Piranha 3 Double D, thank you very much. Um, <laughs> sorry, that was Alejandro. Uh, but yes, 
But no, he he, he he James Cameron had a Piranha movie, didn't he? He did. He had Piranha too. Um, and he yeah, that was that was a disaster. Joe Dante, no, so Joe Dante did pr- the first Piranha, and he is less embarrassed by that than uh, Cameron is by Piranha too. But yes, basically, like Villeneuve had emerged from the Quebecois kind of, um, and I've already mispronounced Quebecois, but uh, emerged from the Canadian French school of cinema, um, where he had basically in the late nineties he produced two films. August 32nd on Earth in 1998 and Maelstrom in 2000. Um, And basically, he was not happy with those two films. So he decided the thing to do would be to take nine years away from filmmaking to raise a family and decide that, hey, if an idea struck him that he wanted to come back and make a movie about, he would come back and make a movie about it. And basically, Incendes originated was one of two ideas that emerged in parallel. Um, he saw the play on which this is based. He saw uh, it in like 2004, right? He did indeed. Yes, he did. He went to a, a, a performance of it back in 2004 um, and he saw it with his wife, uh, who is a producing partner. And basically, the, it's three and a half hours long, very talkative and full of powerful theatrical images. And he said, yeah, I would love to adapt that play to the screen. And we'll maybe talk about some of the particulars of his his adaptation process later on. But he basically spent five years kind of figuring out how he wanted to do it. Washti Muawad. Um, yes, is, is, is the right I'm going to go for. Yes. Um, as, as my pronunciation. And apologies if I've mispronounced it. Yes. And again, like, it, it's a very interesting kind of production history there. Because apparently, like, he saw it in Montreal. He tracked down a Muawad to see if he could obtain the film rights. And Muawad said yes on one condition. Villeneuve had to show that he could make the movie his own, that he wasn't just going to do a stagey adaptation of a play that was overly right. faithful. He would have to come and he'd have to make a movie that was distinctively the work of Denis Villeneuve as a filmmaker. And, and distinctively not a play. Yes. Yeah. And I, th- I think, like, regardless of what we're going to say later on, it's definitely, it's a very cinematic movie. Yeah. Uh, and in fact, actually, like, this is coming out three months after we've talked about Dune. There's a lot of his film, a lot of his filmmaking you can see here that you can see later on in movies like Arrival, for example, yeah. in, in movies like, for example, Blade Runner 2049 and in Dune as well. A lot of similar imagery recurs, a lot of similar motifs, a lot of like even oh, compositions and framing. What? Interesting. Yeah, no, it, like again, Villeneuve has argued that this was the point We're at which... We're recording in different rooms. <laughs> <laughs> we have a partition. We do have a partition. Um, we do. Uh, myself and Andrew, we're trying to figure out how to record in bed together. We're kind of easing ourselves back into that relationship. I don't feel comfortable without a partition between us. I feel like the sound just bleeds across. But yes, so he, basically Villeneuve worked on two movies simultaneously. The first one was uh, Polytechnique, which was a real-life massacre of female students at a Montreal engineering college. And then he also, at the same time, was writing uh, Incendies, which is this movie that we're talking about this week. He made Polytechnic first. That was seen as his big return to form. It kicked off the second wave of his career. And then he made Incendies. And we'll maybe talk a little bit later on about like the impact of Incendies, the reach of Incendies, and the way in which that paved the way for him to kind of move to Hollywood and kind of work on movies like we've mentioned Prisoners, like we've mentioned Sicario, like we've mentioned, we haven't mentioned Enemy, but all these sorts of movies. This is kind of the movie that served as a calling card film for him. But before we talk about it, Andrew, had you had you heard of this before? Had you seen this before? I had heard of it before. I had not seen it before. No. And I didn't really know very much about it at all. I didn't know what to expect. I don't know if I'd read a blurb previously and had kind of forgotten what I'd read or if this was my first encounter. I was aware of it as being 
a Denny Villeneuve movie and latterly as a Denny Villeneuve movie that I was going to be covering on a podcast. <laughs> yes, um, we should we should be clear that even by our own standards, the research on this has been fairly last minute. We had a I I had planned I, a recording I, for here and it kind of fell through. And I was I like, what can always, we cover? By the way, study a little a bit more when we don't have a guest, <laughs> <laughs> like ever so slightly. <laughs> Um, I think the ones where it's the two of us, there's less cover. (laughs) You just kind of let sit back and disappear into the crowd. Yeah, to be the guy who's like um, the the standard kind of uh, podcast uh, co-host who's like, I I don't know what 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 does that mean though? (laughs) What's going on there? How what 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 makes a a movie different from a play anyway? Um, it's so, uh, it's like a radio play, but with pictures, right? That's yeah. that's what I'm getting here. Well, I'm going to recommend a, a a podcast at the end. By the way, that it's it's a new podcast. The first episode has just come out. It's the 250, and the 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 host Andrew Quinn um, and his co-host Aaron Mooney, <laughs> and I'm talking about movies. They're talking about another Denny Villeneuve movie called Prisoners. It's a full circle. That recurring <laughs> motif in Villeneuve's film of the circle or the idea of eternal recurrence, which is a big theme that preoccupies him as a filmmaker. I do like that. I was considering saving Incentes as the last episode we would ever record, but then I realized we are never going to record a last episode of no. this. Um, so I figured we'd jump right on in. Well, yeah, the, the reason I thought that we'd slot this in here is because, well, you know, this is January 2022. I am absolutely certain that Dune is like dominating all the awards running up to the Oscars. In fact, let's let's make a call here and horribly date the podcast. Technical awards? Yeah, or... I, I I suspect it's going to do very well technically. I would love to I see. I don't it. think it'll get any like. Um, I I I think I think Chalamet is kind of strong, charismatic, but that he's not going to. Uh, I I don't I don't imagine him getting any nods for for, for his for performance. This. He's probably in so many things that he got nominated for something else. Yeah. What, what was it when we were talking about uh, like a song of two humans? We're like, we should bring back the old school where you're just the best actor of a year. So like Chalamet <laughs> is just like, yeah, I did the French Dispatch. I did. Yeah, Dune. that's what I was thinking. What, like, what more do you want from who me? Who gets nominated for the French Dispatch? <laughs> yeah. Are you allowed to nominate a few people from it? I, I love that. It's like four nominees hey, and just the entire ensemble of the French Dispatch. Something like Pulp Fiction. You should be able to nominate a few people from that, right? The the cat. Well, I mean, again, we've been very kind to like John Travolta, Bruce Willis <laughs> out of that movie, but there's some Samuel more. Jackson, like yeah, is, is, yeah. and Samuel Jackson's massively underrated because he's consistently good. Like, yeah. Like. Willis and like Travolta come out of Welcome to the Pulp Fiction podcast or Redux (laughs) but like they come out of it looking really good because it's like a career reinvention for them but Jackson is like always reliable so you tend to not so much for Willis really well at the time at the time he was because he's still doing Die Hard movies and this is kind of a Die Hard movie like it's that same kind of character like he's not he's moved on from Moonlighting you know what I mean yeah um okay back to Insanity gonna take us back up a level here <laughs> but yes so incendies the incendies wow. is a, wow, yeah, in, inception wise incendies inception wise but yeah like incendies is an interesting film for me because i think when we had like jack jack packard on the podcast talking about um pan's labyrinth last year he mentioned that he is a big villeneuve fan and mm. on the podcast i was like ah, i can he lose villeneuve yeah <laughs> thank you andrew i appreciate that um 
But uh, yeah, no, I, I, I was like, no, I can kind of take or leave Villeneuve. There are films of his I like, films of his I don't like. And Incendies is interesting because it was, for me, my first encounter with Villeneuve as a filmmaker. I saw it at the Dublin Film Festival back in 2010, which I think was the first year that I attended the Dublin Film Festival, at least seriously. Um, I saw Incendies there. I was not a big fan of it. I you actually... Take it or leave it. I... <laughs> Well played, Andrew. Well played. I don't know if it works twice. <laughs> you, you double down. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Just do it. The important thing is to make a bun, not that the bun be good. You you finally learned. <laughs> yeah. We've been doing this for five years and you've finally figured out my, my technique here. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. Quantity. You know? Yeah. Judiciousness is not like Yeah, no, that's that's an incendiary remark there you're making. Sorry. Yeah. Sorry, this is a very light and fluffy discussion for what I'm sure it's a very heavy oh movie. Oh dear, we do that sometimes. Cause, like, Was it Hotel Rwanda? We spent half that podcast talking in Nick Nolte voices. Um, I had to do something. Yeah, yeah. We, we, we... I remember how happy you are when Nick Nolte showed up because it was like, finally something we can latch on to. In, and... in our defense, at least this is a movie about the the... The country from the West Wing, Kumar. Pretty much. It's the country of Daresh, which was was famously made up and very deliberately made up. Um, There's like different places in it is like Daresh and... Oh, is Daresh the name of the country? Daresh is the name of the country. It is indeed. Right. Because I couldn't tell if it was the name of a country or if it was something else. Yeah. Um, and it was actually, I think, like it was moved. It was originally meant to be like Lebanon. It's very much kind it's of. It's pretty much kind of Lebanon, isn't it? Because they, they it's the 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 uh, a, a lot of it's based on like um, Suha Bachara, and, and and they talk about going to the south, the south that was controlled by the South Lebanon Army. Yeah. Where the the uh, Suha Bachara had, um, I think she had shot a uh, an army general. Which um, parallels somewhat with yeah, the events in this movie as well, exactly. to be clear. So, the, and, and, and the, I mean, the flag that you see a few times is not, it's not the Lebanese flag and it's, it's not quite the Iranian flag. It's not, um, it, it, it is a kind of a mysterious country. It was like what a film in Jordan. Yeah. To get that sort of look of Beirut, I think was yeah, what they were going for. That's exactly what they're going for there. And like, I mean, there are particular incidences in this movie. You Time mentioned one. almost kind of works out for it. Yes, yes, yeah, it does like, because it's set like there are flashbacks set May in the seventies. Yeah, and the, the war was like nineteen seventy five to nineteen ninety. Yeah. No, a lot of <laughs> we'll talk about it later on, but a lot of kind of um, the timing kind of maybe makes you anyway sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah i okay like yeah i i did by the not... way the, 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 yeah dara makes a very good point if, if uh, just a moment ago this is not like this movie has funny moments but it's not a funny movie this this is a deeply traumatic um serious movie it is indeed. Uh, and, and like, it's it's arguably, it's notable that it emerged again in 2010, 2009, which was around the time that you started seeing world cinema really engaging with this idea of East versus West and the Middle East in particular. Like, it was notable that this was the year after, I think, The Hurt Locker had won the Best Picture Oscar. But even then, like, a lot of people were saying that Hollywood had kind of drifted past the kind of Iraq-Afghanistan wars away from the Middle East, away from movies that it had been making, like Syriana, and kind of moved on. But, like, you look at international cinema, and international cinema was really grappling 
with that conflict. So, like, it's notable that, like, the four of the five best foreign language film nominees were explicitly rooted in the Middle Eastern conflict, or at least rooted in the legacy of it. Then you had Babo, kind of. Was... Babo was a couple of years beforehand yeah, as well, yeah, and that did very well at the before. Oscars as well. Yeah. But, like, the winner was, say, A Better World from Denmark, uh, which is about, like, a doctor dealing with, like, a refugee, for example. Um, you have kind of movies like Europeans attacking Muslims in the aftermath of World War II, which was Algeria's Outside the Law, for example. You have, like, you have even, like, this was the same year that Yorgos Lanthimos' Dogtooth, uh, which is a story about parents imprisoning and torturing their children, uh, also made the list. And again, it's it's kind of interesting that like the there was a mini. That's kind of of um, sorry, not not too dissimilar from there was definitely yeah. something in the air. Yeah. yeah, something in the ambience and in the mood. And like again, Greek tragedy was having a moment. Yes, yes, it was. <laughs> it was really popping. Um, but like. <laughs> And again, to, to put it in the context of that moment as well, like in 2008, the committee that oversaw like the Oscars foreign language films had come under like fire for avoiding thorny, controversial foreign language films. So like in 2008, they'd avoided nominating, I think, like Romania's is a four months, three weeks and two days, uh, which was uh, basically an abortion drama. Uh, and they hadn't done France's uh, Persepolis, which I think you've seen. Oh. In our, yeah, I, I really love that movie. And I think you've that, seen it as that, well. And that, that is a crazy omission. Yes. It, it is like, um, um, yeah, it's, it's bonkers. Like, it's a five-star movie. Yeah. And so, like, that had produced a backlash within the Academy. Like, a lot of, like, you know... Because it was animated, I wonder. Or, like, based on a... Um, uh, a graphic novel. Graphic novel. Yeah. I wonder. Is that kind of what the sniffiness kind of... Well, there was also an argument that the Academy was the, the foreign language films kind of selection committee was steering away from controversial, thorny, like, uncomfortable subjects. So they, they only had, like, pro-Iranian movies that year. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's like, we, we, we want to be very clear that we support... The Iranian the, regime. The, the revolution. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and... And the Iranian uh, Revolutionary Guard. But like, and like, so, you know, three years later, again, this is the thing where the Oscars tend to react. They're very reactive. That's but like, insane. in, in <laughs> love how, how angry you are. That yeah. <laughs> Perse Persephone's was too heavy. I don't do anything that's going to upset Ahmadinejad. <laughs> but basically, so He's yeah. He's like a good guy. <laughs> Uh, listeners can't see, but Andrew is giving a thumbs up and a Fonzie pointy finger here. <laughs> um, but yeah, basically, so yeah, in response to that, those omissions back in 2008, um, there was an argument that the foreign language awards had lost their luster. And so basically the kind of like the 2009, 2010 year was seen as a, yeah, look how edgy we are here, uh, where they nominated, as we mentioned, like Mexico's Beautiful, uh, Algeria's Outside the Law, Denmark's Joker. In a Better World, <laughs> Canadian's In Sendays, uh, and Dogtooth. And like, I love that apparently this upset Oscar voters so much that the Foreign Language Film Committee received angry emails um, objecting to the nominations. Um, and here's a quote from Mark Johnson, and he is talking about Dogtooth, to be clear, but Andrew is quite right that maybe there was something in the air this year. People are just really upset about it, says Mark Johnson, the producer who runs the Foreign Language Committee. About the violence, about the incest, it really splits people. <laughs> but the reason we came up with the system is we can make sure that movies are that were unconventional got considered. So yeah, that's 
That's yeah. Com- I mean, if 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 you're gonna um, if you're gonna have a foreign language like um, <laughs> Academy category, yeah. you got to expect those kind of movies. Yeah, they're just, gonna, be- there, there, there's gonna be some like Oedipal stuff. There's there there's there's gonna be like um, child abuse, torture, violence, yeah, exactly. um, depravity, prostitution, yeah. yeah, all that all that artsy stuff that Americans don't really allow in their mainstream movies. Um, but like, and again, it, it's kind of interesting. It's that, so true, but... <laughs> <laughs> the hard stuff. Well, yeah, it's like kind of like if, if you're to. Uh, oh, I'm, 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 I'm blanking the, 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 uh, um, Almodovar, Pedro Almodovar. Yes, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, that's kind of like atmosphere there as well. Um, and, and again, like we mentioned, Inyurto's Beautiful was nominated. And again, that would only be a couple of years before he would win Best Director and Best Picture and all that sort of stuff as well, like in the English language categories. And again, Incendes seen as a big moment for Quebecois cinema as well, um, because it was like notably... It was the first, uh, I believe, the first Quebecois film to receive a nomination for the Best Foreign Language Film Oscar. It's our second <clears throat> Quebecois movie, right? Behind... Mother. Good Mommy. call, Mommy. Mommy. Yes, good call. Good call, Andrew. Thank you. <laughs> These ones where it's just the two of us. <laughs> Andrew like brings his A-game. Yeah, Andrew brings his A-game. <laughs> but yes... Uh, it was Ebert's favorite of the nominees. It lost to the Danish film in a better world, but it did lead to other nominations for Quebecois cinema, including uh, Monsieur Lazare by Philippe Fardot and Rebel by Kim Nagayan as well. That would follow as well. So it's it's kind of, again, an important film in terms of that historical context, that historical moment. Um, all right, then, before we jump into the spore zone to kind of get us started, is there anything else you want to say just generally about the film? Just kind of like as an introduction for listeners who maybe haven't seen it because it is it is a Quebecois film. It is perhaps one of the lesser seen titles on the list. Just anything, your initial reaction to it. No, like like, like I was very impressed with it. But I, 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 I think you have a sense of, of what kind of movie it is probably from, from what we've said already. And if you like, if you like Denis Villeneuve, especially the likes... Uh, oh no okay let's run through them uh, Sicario, <laughs> Sicario and Prisoners yeah, if you like the likes of Sicario and Prisoners um, you're likely to enjoy this got him in three exactly yeah yeah that, that uh, like recently Villeneuve has kind of um, pivoted into science fiction exactly. with like Blade Runner 2049 like, Arrival and, and obviously large Doom. kind of you know big ship sci-fi <laughs> stuff you know um, what was the great description of doing not I like saw? not like mommy sci-fi <laughs> <laughs> but um with its distant future where it imagines that like it was youth Just offenses like, i think were like it's big science eight fiction eight months into justin trudeau's <laughs> <laughs> premiership <laughs> what a dystopian movie mommy truly was apparently but yes um all right then so three questions to get us started so andrew do you think Incendies belongs on a list of the 250 greatest movies ever made? Um, I'm, I, I'm kind of, um, I think it might. I think it might. Oh, uh, interesting. Yeah. And, and uh, I'm, I'm, I'm sort of unsure. It'll be interesting uh, to see with the likes of this, how much um, kind of uh, a, a bit of um, distance will change um, how I think about the movie. We don't have 
those um, chances on the podcast. Although we probably will. We'll probably be covering like a Denny Villeneuve movie at some point in the future, seeing as he's one of the... Um, the list's favorite filmmakers. Exactly. Yeah. And he doesn't seem like the kind of person who's going to do anything terrible. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> to, to completely like Woody Allen himself out of the list. Um, <laughs> Thank you, Andrew. I was worried that you were like, he's not going to do anything terrible, like make a bad movie. No, I, I'm glad that you clarified particularly what you mean. Oh, yeah. No, but like he, he's probably yeah. not going to like move into doing kind of. Um, He's like, oh, do you know I've I've never done an Adam Sandler Netflix movie. <laughs> <laughs> I really want to hone in on that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, um, I would but, actually love to see like a Denny Villeneuve Adam Sandler movie because it would probably oh, be yeah, a bit, like no, it probably it would probably be genuinely good. I uncut I, gems. I kind of like that Adam Sandler is genuinely annoyed when people are are like oh why don't you just do good movies all the time it's like i like making the movies i like and people like watching them what's your problem <laughs> what's your beef <laughs> yeah yeah it's like not everybody has to 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 be a snob like it's it it's it, that that like it's okay to make things for to, to make like lowbrow entertainment as well as kind of um highbrow entertainment sure i could make these things all the time but i'm adam sandler you know, <laughs> like, I, I, you know, that, that it's like that. That's not what like an Adam Sandler and their vehicle looks like. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And 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 that um, like when you're growing up in the 90s watching Adam Sandler, you're like, yes, this is brilliant. Don't ever stop doing this. Anyway, so. and then by the time you hit 2010, you're like, please stop doing this. No, but this. maybe they're still I know, I know, like, like kids in their early teens are probably enjoying those movies. Oh no, to I, some I, extent. Yeah. I know, like I I know people who really enjoy saying UB's Halloween, and I'm I'm actually genuinely happy for them. Like again, I'm not a person. I've heard it's great. I I know people our age as well who haven't lost the faith. Yeah. With, yeah. with Adam Sandler. And understanding as well that there are bad movies, but who anybody who makes that many movies is going to make some terrible movies. And I love that this has become a. I love Sorry. that when we no, I love that when we do this by ourselves, we are less like time bound. So we're just like, <laughs> let's talk about whatever's on our minds. But like, we don't I don't have anyone who's like, whose time we value <laughs> yeah, on this podcast. But I, I do like I like however I feel about the Adam Sandler movies and I'm not necessarily a huge fan of his Netflix you stuff you probably end up watching a lot I end up watching you have to watch every movie <laughs> yes but I, I do like that he keeps his friends employed like I actually really like that like part of his Netflix deal gamefully that... <laughs> employed <laughs> yeah. I make a lot of money that's one of the things with the Sony hack <laughs> like one of the reasons like he's now working for Netflix is that part of the Sony hack was like Oh, like a lot of those Seth Rogen kind of Apatow movies are are fairly <laughs> kind of like, you know, cheap to make and yeah. they do quite well. Not so much Sandler movies. But that, that's the... It costs a lot of money. He, but... He's not like, will you do me a favor and come in? It's like, guess what? You're getting a, you a check. Yeah. <laughs> you know how you said you wanted a new pool fi- fixture? Well, let me it's tell like, you. I got hey, some... Norm MacDonald, I heard you've lost your entire fortune again. How would you like another like, few hundred thousand dollars? <laughs> yeah. Just to get you started. Yeah, when... yeah. You're going to be my boyfriend in this one. Well, like, I do. I love that... Um... Like, because that, that's the thing with, with the, the Adam Sandler stuff. It's like with the Seth Rogen and the Judd Apatow stuff, what, what they do is, and I think it was after, was it uh, Green Hornet? Seth Rogen was like, OK, I've, I've figured out that there's a point at which you make a movie and it costs so much the studio has to interfere. 
So Seth Rogen's model is, he goes to the studio, says, I want to make this movie. What's the price point at which you will let me do whatever the hell I want? And then he makes it at that budget. And I kind of love that Adam Sandler, on the other hand, just not going to compromise. He's just like, fine, you don't want this? I'm going to go to Netflix. And they will let me do six of these a year, uh, which is exhausting and draining. But again... <laughs> I kind of admire that David Spade never has to work another day in his life because his good friend is Adam Sandler. But yes, back to Incendies, he says. But yeah, um, so in terms of... David Spade is another person who won't get cancelled because he's an unapologetic womanizer. And if anything were to come out about him, it probably already would. That that is um, fair. Yeah. It feels like if there were going to be a David Spade story, it would already be in the ether. Yeah. Um, Sorry. <laughs> but... um. Okay, yeah, and, and like, just and, in... And how about, did, did you say if you would put it in? Do you remember that podcast? Yeah, that, that we co-host together. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I love how giddy this is. But, so, like, the, the thing with Incendies, which is interesting, is that it's like Prisoners. Because remember when we used to do, like, the In-N-Out chart, we used to actually monitor how That's movies right. would do. And every it's single week... You think. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Andrew. Um, and every single week we would be surprised to see like Prisoners not only hasn't fallen like most movies on the list do, it has risen somehow, mm. which is, and I say that as somebody who lo- has a great deal of affection for Prisoners, I'm like, is this the best movie of the 21st century? But Incendies is, is something similar as well. Like it is, you know, it came in around about 220, 230 and is now sitting at 110. The highest it has ever been is 109. So it, it's holding firm and it's climbing. It is a fixture of the list. And I I, I don't think it belongs on this list. I On Sundays uh, Sunday or Prisoners? On Sundays. On Sundays. I, when, the reason why we did this was in part because we had a kind of a cancellation. And I was like, what can we talk about quickly? I've done a lot of Denny Villeneuve research. Let's fold that into this. Yeah. The other reason that I wanted to talk about it was because this was my first Denny Villeneuve movie. And as I kind of alluded to... I'm hot and cold on Villeneuve as a filmmaker. I think he's a very good craftsman. I can take or leave about half of his movies. And Incendies was the first one I saw. And when I came out of it at the film festival, I was actively angry at it. Right. I think it's very well made. Yeah. I think it is like it looks gorgeous. I think you can see a filmmaker with tremendous talent here. I also think it is incredibly cynically manipulative. Uh, I think it is very calculated and impressed with itself in ways that I don't feel are entirely earned. Um, And, you know, while I admire some of what it's doing, I feel like I'm being hit with a sledgehammer while watching it. And I, sorry, this is all very, this is probably the harshest I have been on like a top two. No, I'm interested to hear this because that is kind of, the, the, like, opinion is divided on. Yeah. Because a lot of the, the kind of, thing that saves it for people is how clearly just kind of a greek tragedy it is yes and that like if you're going to criticize it then you you'd you'd have have to it it's it's kind of melodramatic from the uh, the point of view of of movies as we know them um but yeah, the, 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 I, sorry, I, I guess we'll kind of like talk a little bit more about that later. But I I, I kind of, I guess I struggle a bit with that. I think what maybe happened to me watching it was that I probably had the same reaction watching it that Denny Villeneuve had watching the play. Yeah. Kind of where he was impressed by it and kind of um, 
you know, in in enjoyed the way the story was told and thought like maybe I've seen some sort of a masterpiece here. <laughs> oh wow, I'm, this is I'm actually really glad to hear that. I'm like again, well, I, like like I I I um I th- I think that's how Denny got enough put it about the about the play. Like, yeah, he was unsure. I need to sit and think with it, but no, like that's a really great reaction to kind of have to a movie. I think again, without spoiling it, without getting into particulars. No, if yeah. we're like to sum up, like what my reaction to Encendes is quite it's very apart much from a movie that can be spoiled. It is a movie that can be spoiled, and like we should recommend watch the movie. Uh, just skip the format. We just watch the movie right it now. Already, yeah. we probably already have with uh, jokingly earlier on. Darren says, and if we didn't spoil it before, the fact that we told you that we spoiled it probably has already spoiled it. But I think that. Without getting into plot particulars, I think what bothers me about this is ironically what I quite like about Villeneuve's later work, which is I think Villeneuve is very good at kind of like broad, allegorical, like melodramatic, metaphorical storytelling. Yeah. Where it's not real. It's 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 this thing that is a self-consciously a story. It is told in a way that is kind of like moralistic, that is like it's saying something about the world but couched in metaphor simile yeah. analogy stuff like that so i'm interested to see what what, what, what it was about this that, that kind of fits that pattern but that that really kind of what was the aspect of it that um that made it a problem two two things the first is i figured out quite early where it was going and and that bothered me because I was waiting for the movie to catch up to me. That's a problem with you. That is a pro- that is not with the movie. Just yeah. Um, you watch too many movies. This this is like we had this I exact get, conversation I with Blade Runner stuff tw- in the movie, but I would get it like just a little bit before <laughs> where it was satisfying. Where I was like, oh, I'm a die clever. Yeah, but not at the point where I'm like. Uh, stewing in my cleverness <laughs> for like too long. Thank you for that that image. By the way, we should point out like this is the second Velnuve movie where that's happened. When we had Jay on talking about like Blade Runner yes. twenty forty nine, I believe your argument was you that- <laughs> like, like you 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 knew something was coming, but you also like uh, um, yeah, there was one extra like layer on it that impressed me. That, that impressed, impressed, impressed me. you and Jay. And then, <laughs> Jay, I think one that like oh, it's like oh. um I thought they were going to subvert the subversion or something like that. <laughs> yeah, no, that was the thing. Like, I was like, I was one step ahead of where the movie started and it ended one step ahead of me. So it was like, good game movie. Jay yeah. was like three steps ahead of where the movie ended. Yeah, yeah. And was of like, of course they're going to subvert the subversion. <laughs> yeah. Um, and like, I think Andrew's response was, I just thought it was a good movie. Um, <laughs> but like, I think that that's one part of my reaction to Incendies. The, the other part of my reaction is that like, as much as it is like a metaphor and as much as it is this kind of broad allegory, like kind of story, it also feels like it's more specifically grounded. Like we mentioned like Lebanon, we mentioned the Middle East. It yeah. feels like it's it's set in a real place, even though that place has a fake name layered on top of it. And yeah, and it's a it's a Canadian Lebanese um, uh, writer who wrote yeah. the original kind of uh, the play. And um, I think that kind of made me a little bit uncomfortable because a lot of the movie feels like the use of locations in there, the drawing on very specific events. Um, like they reference, as you pointed out, like particular assassinations. Uh, there's a sequence on a bus that is drawn from real life events as well. That sort of stuff feels almost kind of like naturalistic to me in the way that it is presented and shot. And it's, 
that combined with the melodrama doesn't really work for me. I feel like for me, Villeneuve really clicks when he doesn't try to ground what he's doing. Uh, and he just goes like far out into the world of Blade Runner, into the world of Dune. I think when we were talking about Arrival, I had similar problems with Arrival, where I was like, pick a lane. It, you know, Arrival is this metaphor for how difficult it is to communicate and how, like, how we talk I, relates yeah. how we think and how we think relates how we perceive. And if we change the way that we speak the language that we perceive the universe through, we have new understanding. And I was like, yeah, that's a great idea. And the movie's like, yeah, but it's so grounded that what we use this to do is to ask somebody for his phone number. And I'm like, that, that that's a really underwhelming payoff for that concept that you have there. Mm. And I think like Incendes kind of suffers from that, you know, for and me. I, and I didn't like the kind of popularization of that yeah. kind of concept. Yeah, yeah. Um, all right, then. So is that it, it, it's it's because it's a kind of a racist idea. Kind of, ooh. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yes. As, in, as in, like... Yeah, that, that we talked about been, that. The cliche been, of, like, the, the Eskimos having thousands of words for snow or the idea oh, of, like, yeah, Native yeah. Americans having particular words that relate the way that they think. Like, it is a... It or, is a yeah, or you'll say that, like, um, oh, uh, such and such kind of um, Hopi Indian... Yes, that was the example uh, we picked, I think. Yeah, we looked at that. Yeah, that they have a poverty of vocabulary that Reflects. somehow kind of accounts for their outcomes. Yes, yeah, and and kind of like that—that that is also like a problem with that analogy as well. I would argue. Yeah, I think that's that's very fair. I love that I'm like, I just thought it was stupid, and Andrew's <laughs> like, no, it had very serious problems. I'm like, fair point, Darren, but it was also well, no, no, like I I suppose as well that I'm a bit of um, uh, I tend to um defend philosophical realism as well, and that the 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 idea of kind of um language creating like our reality our world yeah yeah, yeah. It's, it's is 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 always something that i'm kind of like resistant <laughs> against which yeah. is a very specific thing and you couldn't really write it in a review of a movie <laughs> <laughs> and denny Villeneuve is kind of sitting there just waiting for andrew it's like yeah he'll he'll really run he'll really react to this one um, i refute you thus <laughs> yeah <laughs> um, and i should i should say like i think that like in Sunday's arrival is a very beautifully produced movie i think it's very well made i think it has big ideas i was like glad to see a science fiction movie with mm. that budget and scale the performances are great but it just it grated with me in that way. And it's very similar to Incendes, where it's like, if you're going to make a movie that like is very particularly grounded in a context that is like real, in that like this is it's not just about like it is, you know, abstract things that we'll talk about in the spoiler zone, but it is also very specifically about the Middle Eastern conflicts. Like yeah. there are moments where there are like, you know, plasters on walls saying, I heart Palestine, for example, and things like that. Um, and like it evokes all this stuff and I, I find myself when a movie does that I'm like commit to it actually follow through on that idea don't bring all this baggage into it and then use it to tell a general story about you know the human condition in the vaguest possible terms because that feels calculated to me it feels very cynical it feels very like if you want to do a metaphor, do a metaphor. If you want to, like, no, no, I, I, I thought okay. it was effective. You know, that, like, like there, there, there are plot points to this movie that you will never forget. I think na na narratively, that kind of um, either 
it depends on what way you're thinking about it. It either detracts from the um, movie thematically or the themes stick with you more because you can never forget those plot Those points. details, yeah. Because, yeah. I mean, like, I, I, we, should, we should be, like, I, I really, like, one of the things I, we are recording in person for this. And obviously we are both vaccinated. It is both safe. I've constructed a little barrier between us to prevent germ spread and, and sort of audio bleed. Um, but like it, I do enjoy watching movies with other people. I enjoy watching them with you in particular. Like when we were watching it, there were moments where you would like react to something that was happening. As you point out, like once I've seen the movie, I can't forget the plot points. No. But watching you react to those plot points was like, I could feel that connection. And that was kind of great. Darren says like he's some sort of emotional parasite. But it was, it, it was actually genuinely kind of moving and affecting. And I thought it was really great. Uh, which I guess is yeah, it. and 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 I I I enjoyed as well the kind of arc of the the of the characters there in the movie as well. I thought that was kind of a, a satisfying satisfying aspect of it as well. Like it was a payoff in terms of kind of like you watching me kind of like um, register um, shock. Yes. Um. With 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 certain things and sometimes it, it was it was it would be like a little bit before the kind of revelation yeah or yeah. before the characters are kind of cottoned on yeah and... yeah yeah and i guess maybe that's probably by design is that you're meant to re- realize these things before the characters do yeah and, because, and the yeah. trick with these sort of stories is that it's not so far before that you become kind of like bored or disengaged it's, yeah it's moments before so and again this sounds very cynical but so you feel smart so it's like you're on the same page exactly which is about the level i was at (laughs) (laughs) and it's like and and, it's not like darren movie savant (laughs) well um but no and 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 i don't want to sound like i'm dismissive of that that's a very careful thing to have to balance within a movie and i think like looking at the reaction to incendies like from other critics from people who vote on it on the list from yourself from people i've talked to from even the audience that i saw it with at the film festival who were much more enraptured with it than i was it is something that Incendies does yeah, very well. Th- th- and that's kind of your first point. To, to your second point, the problem, I guess, if you were to do a straight telling of a story, say, like, of Suha Bichara and dramatize it, you have the problem there where you... Ha- you you generally, if you're going to make a any sort of a movie, you're going to have to take liberties with what actually happened. Yeah. Um... And this kind of, um, in a way, gets to kind of have its cake and eat it. It can take as many liberties as it wants because it, it's just kind of partially inspired by by that. And I don't have any problem with that. That 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 uh, a, mo- a movie being um, in inspired by something. Oh yeah, no, um, no, I'm, I'm not, I'm, I'm not like I'm not. It is my problem, not, not the movie's not, problem. Not putting its kind of. Uh, heart in its sleep oh yeah well i guess that's fair enough like i mean like i've been very clear on like i mean on, on kind of when we talked about it with jack i'm like yeah i'm Velneuve doesn't always work for me as a filmmaker but i am thrilled that he gets to make the movies that he does and also that he gets to like fail on the level that he fails and continue to make movies uh like that makes me really really happy and i like i i admire that he does this stuff it just doesn't... um blade runner 2049 nearly bankrupt the studio yeah, like because like for me that that was a success. Oh, <laughs> and and that like the 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 studio should just not give people so much money. <laughs> the same thing, the, like and and they did it again with Dune. I yeah, guess. Yeah, I can't imagine like that. 
the know. same studio as well, which is amazing. Like, and we if were... they haven't bankrupted themselves <laughs> and it's like, oh, the movie broke even. Let's make a second one. <laughs> <laughs> and then they're going to bankrupt. Just keep going until we reach the point where this stops making money for us. Well, I mean, yeah, we probably talked about that back on our Dune episode. Children of the Dune. <laughs> well, you're actually, not, you're not wrong. The, the third book is titled Children of Dune. I, so, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was trying to kind of like do some sort of a portmanteau between the actual title. And, uh, and whatever sequel. Children of Green the Corn. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, okay. And then, so second question, Andrew, is this among the top 250 movies you have ever seen? Yeah, I'm a bit of a dickhead in that, like, um, out of movies that we've watched, I tend to kind of give uh, foreign language movies a little bit... Um, of an edge yeah but i mean like yeah we like the secrets in their eyes is one of your favorites as well lives we, of others which we haven't yeah. covered um yeah and the, the you um, like emily what you like emily oh i do actually yeah that is true <laughs> that I, I, I genuinely do I'll, I'll, although it has been a while i think um i think i preferred cinema paradiso to you yeah. i think um as well, another one was um, oh god, I'm forgetting Wild Tales, the recent Wild yeah, Tales, yeah, yeah, Wild 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 Tales. I enjoyed, um, yeah, yeah, I did, and it 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 um, so yeah, I'm a bit of a hipster when it comes to kind of I think li- li- liking foreign language movies, but this, as I say, I think um, narratively worked really well, thematically worked very well. Um, I think the performances are tremendous. Yes, yes, um, absolutely. Yeah, like the like two leading performances in particular are fantastic, and by leading performances, I mean the two female leads. Yes, L- Lubna Azabal yeah. and Melissa uh, Desormeaux Poulain um, were tremendous. Expect uh, as, 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 especially um, uh, Azabal. Yeah. Um, there's a lot to do, kind of in 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 terms of. Um, where that character goes, um, the range, well, the amount of time that she covers time, in the life, yeah, the amount of experience, yeah, that the character goes through, yeah, yeah. and the like re, 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 reacting to kind of the whole kind of gamut, yeah. Um, so it's 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 fantastic. It's it's also very visually arresting, yes, as um, one might expect for a Villeneuve film as well. Yeah, yeah. So the, like, like you can you can. You can imagine why somebody might look at this person's filmography and think, "Yeah, we can, we can bankrupt our studio <laughs> on this guy. We can afford to give him some money." <laughs> yeah, well, again, like he has that kind of Nolan film, Nolan kind of filmography where he makes the small indie. The studio comes in, they say, "Okay, let do a genre programmer for us. Do something like Prisoners, uh, which is the kind of movie we don't really make anymore." He's like, "Yeah, sure, I'll do that." They're like, "Make Sicario." He's like, "Yeah, ace that." They're like, "Fine, uh, set you a challenge." Make a sequel to Blade Runner, a movie that made no money the first time around. He's like, sure, I'll do that as well. Yeah, they still have that that set, right? <laughs> yeah. All that stuff is still hanging around, right? And Harrison that. Ford is he's just uh, eager to come back, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's it's only five hundred thousand per day. <laughs> <laughs> Careful, he's, yeah, that's, he's much more affordable than Bruce Willis, to be fair. <laughs> like, um, but yeah, twice as affordable. Yeah, like for uh, half the cost, he is affordable. Yes, very affordable. <laughs> uh, uh, um, and yeah, for myself, no, I did like it a bit more this time around. I suspect because I knew where it was going and so was less likely to get angry at the end of it. 
Um, I do think it is very well made. I think the cast is fantastic. I think you're right to single out uh, Lubnell Azabel. Um, I, I think Melissa uh, Desormeaux-Poulin is also fantastic uh, as Jean. Uh, I think she does a lot of like really emotive acting. A lot of her work is reacting uh, rather than like actually acting. She's a character who is receiving information and processing information. It's a very challenging role. I think she's phenomenal in it. Uh, but yeah, I think those two leads are fantastic. But for me, no, no, it would not be uh, anywhere near my top 250 movies. I'm glad I watched it, though, which I guess brings us to the third question. Andrew, if listeners have not already seen Ensendes, the rare foreign language film to retain its foreign language title in English, uh, would you recommend that they pause the podcast and stream it to a local device? I'd recommend you don't listen up to this point. <laughs> <laughs> Rewind the podcast and wipe your memory. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. Um... No, yeah, I would, I would, I would recommend you watch. Like you're, you're, you're. I think you'll enjoy the movie a lot, um, regardless of anything we've said. Anyway, um, it, it's, well, enjoy is a strong word. I think you might appreciate. Yeah, but you know what? There, the in terms of tone, like there were moments when we, when both yes. of us were laughing, like like a few times in the movie, and I think it's it it's important for me, and some of the movies we've mentioned that are quite like traumatic do that very well like the lives of others is hilarious yeah um and the 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 um and the, secrets in their eyes as well secrets like in their eyes dealing has, with has, is... has great kind of levity at yeah. moments and i think it makes the um the if you want to call it melodrama it land makes, a bit easier it does it does and it it's like um if you can do that in the one movie you know, you're. I think you're onto a winner for me. So yeah, I'd 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 I'd, I'd recommend it. it it's like, that classic Andrew test. It does make you laugh. It does make you cry. Exactly. And if 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 some of our listeners aren't you, <laughs> are not machines. Would you, would you recommend that they watch this? <laughs> Robots that generate movie opinions. I think it's like no. that's that's they, my favorite description that you have provided of me. They don't have like the two specific gripes. Mo- movie qualms. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Uh, that have prevented me from enjoying movies ever since I was a child. Um, I mean, these are really the same problems that I had with Batman Forever. By the way, I'm not a Denny villain of Stan. I think he could be so much better. I think Nolan is a a better um, filmmaker. And they're doing kind of similar things in terms of like intelligent science fiction. Yeah. And, and also in terms of style as well fiction. and like their cinematic style like their framing yeah. yeah yeah and the way in which they favor kind of like relatively simple compositions they use depth of focus in same same sorts of ways they're very good at communicating complex ideas to the audience as well which is something that Nolan is very good at and I think Villeneuve is also very good at in that like and again not going to single-handedly save Blade Runner 2049 I know the Warner Brothers executives it's too late to appease them but my mom really liked Blade Runner 2049 and my mom is not a science fiction fan, but she was like, it's a movie that is strangely accessible for an audience that like, I would argue it's more accessible than the original Blade Runner. Yeah, it's funny. goes to Vegas. <laughs> <laughs> what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. All the time. He visits like the Frank Sinatra hologram performance. Um, has like a big moment with like, you know, his would be surrogate father figure, all that sort of yeah, stuff. Yeah, there's, there's, there's like a kind of like an I Love Lucy thing with himself and his kind of um, hologram girlfriend. <laughs> yeah, it's himself. a really light relief. It's, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. 
he goes to an orphanage at one point and they're adorable. It's, it's you know, it's just a chock laugh for everybody. And yes, I, I actually would recommend this uh, for people. I I would caution it is very heavy if, if you are somebody who is like, again, it's been a very rough two years. Yeah. If you're avoiding yeah. like heavy movies, then maybe don't. But I think it is well made. I think it does largely what it sets out to do. And I do admit that my qualifications of it are as much me as they are about the movie. They are as much things that very specifically bother Darren Mooney when he is watching movies as compared to flaws with the movie itself. So, yeah, I would wholeheartedly recommend it. And it is readily available. It is distributed by Sony Pictures International. It is available on movies anywhere. Uh, you can rent it on iTunes. You can buy it on Blu-ray. You'll probably get it on a PlayStation, right? <laughs> As a result, yeah, because of the Sony stuff. I mean, like, it famously, again, it was... It was free a fi- with FIFA. <laughs> <laughs> you can watch it's it during like the halftime. It's harrowing. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, but, like, again, like, again, notable that it was, like, it was a rare... Like, you, you mentioned what you happened is exactly what happened. The studio saw this and they're like, yeah. This guy can make movies for us. It was sold to Sony at Toronto. And Toronto is not a festival that is known for, like, selling movies to major studios. I believe it was one of only three movies that were sold to a major studio at the Toronto Film Festival that year. One of the other two was actually another 250 perennial favourite. James Gunn's Super was also kind of sold at that same Toronto Film Festival. And folded him into the studio mechanism that he's now in. But sorry. And it's interesting as well because it's an indie that kind of um, has like aspects of action in it as well. So it gives more confidence, I think, to like a studio to, to, to put major books or um, a Toonies. I'm <laughs> 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 the director. Um, but like, yeah, no, no, it is. And like, it, it made a profit as well. Like, it, it cost $6 million. Um, and it made... Canadian six... or... <laughs> <laughs> and it made 16... Six American... Six million American dollars. It cost six American dollars or six million Canadian dollars. <laughs> um, no, it cost six million American dollars and made 16. And again, you can see the maths in Sony in like Warner Brothers head where they're like... If we give them a budget of like $180 million, then I mean, logically, we'll just be rolling in it, right? Um, And on that thought, we will segue neatly into the spoiler zone. Les jeunes spoilers! I love, by the way, though, that's, like, <laughs> like we've been doing this by ourselves and it's an hour into the podcast. Um, <laughs> All um, right. Yeah. They, her um, her son is... Uh, is, is, is... <laughs> <laughs> Let's just get this out there right away. So, Andrew... Her, 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 I love her son is also the father yeah. of her other two children. Yes, one plus one does equal one in yeah. the movie's mathematics. It's a mathematician. Of, yes, it's, pure it, mathematician. Yeah, I mean, I don't think that's um, kind of. I I think I think that's an interesting kind of a um, layer in which for the the kind of characters to 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 understand what the characters are doing to think of her as this mathematician, but I don't think that's what the movie is about. Well, I, I, what is I, the movie about for me, Darren? Yes. Thank, <laughs> thank you, Andrew, for derailing me there. We'll come back to the mathematician because I have a whole section on that. But no, yeah. um, no. But what, it, what is, what is Insonde is about for you, Andrew? 
I'm glad you let me pause. <laughs> it's it's about how our stories uh, begin before we're born, and how our stories continue after we die, and that uh, like our stories are more than us, um, which are um, like our kind of physical selves have kind of a starting point and a, and, and an ending point where where we're born and when we die, but um, there's 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 more that happens is that is that kind of um it uh, reminds me a lot of like the, the what you're talking now and apologies for being flippant but it reminds me a lot of the cloud atlas trailer where it's like our stories begin long before we are born and continue long after we die with every kindness and every cruelty echoing through eternity well, but i think that kind of is what it's about what, yeah what what it made me think about um and this is like one aspect of it and in in the movie the uh the the uh, the mother gives the the letter to her her children and the notary is kind of saying how childhood is a knife stuck yeah. in your throat and it reminded me of this beat of verse by 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 philip larkin okay where it's uh they, they pick you up your mom and dad they may not mean to but they do they fill you up with the faults they had and add some extra just for you. But they were f***ed up in their turn. By fools in old style hats and coats. Who half the time were soppy stern. And half at one another's throats. Man hands on misery to man. It deepens like a coastal shelf. Get out as early as you can. And don't have any kids yourself. <laughs> um. Funny you should mention that because I literally watched that episode of Succession last night. Oh, wow. <laughs> I'm rewatching Succession because as we're recording this, the third season's airing. And yes, that, that episode in the first season where they have, I think it's Auschwitz. Um, Auschwitz. Auschwitz, yeah. yeah the, the one named after Napoleon, isn't it? The, but they have the, um, they have like the, the, the therapist comes in and reads that that verse. That's, That's right, yeah. Amazing. Yeah, Small was, world symmetry. A uh, friend of the podcast, Andy Mellowish, um, read read that at my uh, godson's um, kind of naming <laughs> ceremony because we're pagans. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. But like, it, it's a, it, is, it is a good poem. And I think like that is, yeah, that is. Did like, I say godson? I meant Gaia-son. <laughs> <laughs> that, keeping it purely pagan. But yeah. I, yeah, that is that is, I think, the heart of kind of what this is—the idea of like trauma I'm, kind of passed down and carried across. And now, having said that, I I don't think it takes the same conclusion. That no, that that it, the 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 conclusion is that the future will be better. Yes, and um, is of kind of um. Well, if you if you can forgive or get past or reconcile with the past, the future yeah. will be better. Like th that's that's the thing, and that's like one of the things that I find interesting about the movie. And this is one of the things where Darren figuring stuff yeah. out becomes a problem, because I'm once I figure out like so the point at which I figure out that the two envelopes are the same, I'm suspicious early on when there's one envelope for the son and sorry for the brother and one envelope for the father, and it's like okay, where the movie is very consciously there are these two balls in the air. And then you, you can't have like imagine the... them finding one and then the rest of the movie being looking for the other one. Yeah. Like you are going to have some of the movie being the daughter and some of the movie being the son looking for yeah. people. Yeah. But you, you can't you, you imagine it would be kind of deflating. 
Yes, if they solved one. one and then yeah. the second half of the movie begins. And then you have like the mathematician thing where it's, you know, insoluble problems will lead to other insoluble problems and the collate conjecture, which is one plus one equals one, which is what the the son repeats when he realizes what it means as well. And the moment where it like all fell into place for me was the moment where it's revealed that, you know, the mother was assaulted in the prison and she had a, a what you what said at the time to be a child. And to be fair, you figured this out quite quickly. You figured out the child born in the prison had to be the twins. Yeah. Uh, I went one step further and I was like, oh boy, that means that logically the character here has to be both the father and the son because dramatically she has to have gone looking for the son and found the son in the worst possible place. And that's what the movie is doing here. And so I figured that out about halfway through the movie and the rest of the movie is a slog waiting for the movie to play its hand and reveal itself and show. Yeah, well, she she wasn't looking for the son when she found it. Well, no, but she had gone on the quest initially. Like that was like that. The thing was she had gone looking for her son and then hmm. she'd given up and she kind of like absorbed into this life. And we'll talk about like this is the thing where you mentioned the passage of time where there's Why a fairly she'd just be shot by. I love Andrew, the Sony executive in the meeting. We like your script. It's a good pitch. But, uh, you know, an American audience is not too hot on the Al incest. It's, uh, what are you making? A Yorgos Lanthimos film here? You know what huh? we don't like in movies? Sex. You know what we do like in movies? People Violence. get shot. Yeah. yeah. It's a simple fix. Fixes all your problems. Um, but... Um, and, and then at the end, they find him, they hunt him down in a hotel. There's a big action sequence. Everybody leaves happy. What do you say? Um, but like, yeah, no, that was the kind of thing. Cause it was like, I figured, yeah. So she's gone looking for the sun. Dramatic irony dictates that she finds the sun in the worst possible way. Oh, Sunday is a movie about two um, children, a, a, a son and a daughter. They have the, the power to turn into fire. <laughs> In the Ansandis, on, on a mission of vengeance. <laughs> it's like greenlit, one hundred and sixty million dollar budget. Um, Seth Rogen is like, "Are you going to interfere?" <laughs> <laughs> uh, but like, but like, yeah. So that's the thing is that that's the moment where like I kind of figure out, and I kind of like the movie then spends so long trying to catch up. But like a lot of that stuff then is is very like, and this is the thing where a problem with the movie becomes like a weird problem with the character for me where when that happens, I have a lot of time to think while I'm watching the movie, which is always a problem. Uh, and I'm like, this is a really, really terrible thing for Nawal Maran to do to her twins. This is a really awful thing for her to do after her own passing and in kind of inflict on her two children. Because it's a well, very a terrible mother. <laughs> like I, I, I think they kind of. Um, he says, "Yeah, the son like, does say, like, John, why John, can't she just Simone. do anything like a normal person? Yeah, like what parents are meant to do is forget that the past ever happened <laughs> and, and just I, accept I, that this is their life now." Sniping comments about it. Yeah, <laughs> and chip away at their children's <laughs> self esteem. You like, actually talk about anything. <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah. The, um. But that's the. That is the movie, to be fair. That like if if that doesn't happen, there is no movie. Yeah, she's she's like, um, I need my children to realize this like deeply traumatic <laughs> thing. Like and not not for it to be hinted at. 
Not not for it to be something that I talk to, to like definitively find out. Yeah, not not for not for something that for me to won't believe me. Yeah, not for me a notary there. Not for me to have a conversation with them about face to face. Not for me to like tell them about directly, but to construct like this kind of almost Riddler esque, like Seven esque series of domino clues for them to follow. (laughs) (laughs) I have prepared an elaborate series of traps that will lead you to the revelation that you are the product of like sex of rape and incest. Just so we're clear, and. no, but that 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 like um, follow the thread though, and you're a product of love. <laughs> yeah, no, that, that's fair at the very end. But it feels like the way in which the the way in which the, and again, this is me admittedly like, if the movie works as melodrama, it works as melodrama. I just like because I had so much time watching it to think about it. I was like, this is this is a really really terrible bit of parenting. Like, Nawal has been through hell. Not not dismiss you know dismissing what has happened to her everything she suffered to she has like every right to be emotionally withdrawn uh, and emotionally distant from her kids and it's it's good that she manages to as you point out like heal it with love but also the way in which she like decides to impart this information to her children. Not, 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 not great. Hey, <laughs> Darren, what do you expect? Marxists have lots of crazy ideas. I mean, they don't like capitalism. <laughs> National, damn nationalists and Catholics and all this sort of stuff going on here. But yeah, no, that is that is kind of my my big like immediate kind of response to it. And like the notary as well, like Remy Girard, who clearly knows all this stuff because he put the like the letters in the envelopes. He wrote the letters. He like talked to her as she was dying. And him like being there pulling the strings as it's happening. It feels like it, it at times it feels like a really sadistic like punk thing. Like you're waiting for him. I bet he was talking to his wife every day. <laughs> yeah. It's like my, still haven't figured it out. My wife and I. Are, are very um, fond of the soap opera that is your life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. we, we think of you as family, but not, not like your family, just so we're clear. We want to set some clear boundaries here. But yeah, like that that is that is kind of something that, and again, I know, I know that it's melodrama. I know, as you point out, Greek, like there's a lot of Greek mythology here. Again, like Dogtooth, it's tragedy, kind of Greek yeah, tragedy as well. Very kind of, um, it's... Um, it's it's the oh god well Oedipal to be yeah, frank yeah, like it, exactly. it's it's explicitly yeah. Oedipal I mean like and like again reviews at the time were largely positive but again you read some of the reviews and like they always point out the ending um like I think that like the NPR review was not happy with the ending for example there's did like they, did tash- they think that Oedipus wrecks it <laughs> well played Andrew well played we got to get him to the Greek tragedy here um but like Tasha Robinson's like AV Club review opens with like this paragraph I just want to read. Um, Love it or hate it. And there are plenty of reasons to land on either end of that spectrum. Canada's 2010 best foreign language film nominee in Sendays is hard to forget. In part, that's because it's an agonizingly well-crafted slog through a series of shockingly emotional extremes. In part, it's because the final twists are so profoundly unlikely, they not only beggar belief, they call the whole project into question. Viewers may walk away from the film feeling unnecessarily manipulated, but that manipulation tends to be bitterly effective. And, and like, and again... The, yeah, but she she, she touched on, another, on, on something that other critics have kind of picked out, and it was a problem for me, too. Ty Burr of the Boston Globe, he says that it kind of, like, 
at the point that that shocking revelation comes about your um the audience can be left kind of trying to like you know counting their fingers <laughs> like <laughs> how exactly did the, the maths uh, works to yeah. do the arithmetic and yeah. Yeah, well, it is like, a movie about maths exactly yeah yeah because you are kind of wondering and then you're like so when is yeah how old how, yeah um, um like because she's 1949 so like she was 21 when in my may 1970 yeah um and like do we is 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 that i was like this is and again this is not this is not a this is not a problem with the movie to be clear but one of the it's it's a choice on the part of elnuve and it's something that i think fits with like and again the movie uses shouldn't as an audience in that moment though (laughs) try and work out the like the arithmetic figure that out i i think i think that that's um a i think if you figure that out and if you do it right maybe it's not enough of a surprise uh, it should you be know, like a Hello Zep moment at the end of Saul where they play know, like she, the, they play the Charlie Clouser music and they play a little yeah, montage over it. Because if she's looking for this like 12 year old kid <laughs> and then the 12 year old kid walks in and like sexually assaults her, you're thinking, wait a oh, second. Wait, these two things. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, that, that's that's the thing, and it's a thing the movie does repeat. And again, I wonder if this is Villeneuve. Like how old is she? How how old did she spend? How long did she spend in? Like, how long was she in college for? How long did she spend on her way to South Lebanon? How long did she spend in the employ of um, the um, like the the whole Suha Betra thing? Um, yeah. And hold on, and, and and like again to be clear, so she was what? So she was. 31 so she maybe was, she was maybe she was 15 yeah say, or, when he was or, conceived when when yeah or, or, or like when he was born yeah maybe. yeah like 15 or 16 that's it like especially disgraceful kind of in the in the eyes of the kind of community her brother yeah. and her mother and stuff like that well i and, mean like the, the thing is that like Velnuve uses like he he doesn't change actors as he goes so, like, Lubna Azabal plays Nawal throughout her entire life. Now, when, as she gets older, she does wear makeup. But it means that she looks the same when she is proverbially uh, either, you know, like, at 17, 18, 19, having the baby. Still, he's going to be, like, 10 at most, right? And and then, like, he's played by, the like, the character is played by Ab- Abdel Ghaffour. Is, Eli- is this Elisa? a kind of a screen sin sort of thing? I don't think it is. I, because because I think it affects like how much impact that has. If you're thinking about it. Well, I mean, that that's the argument about plot holes in inverted commas. Is like, it's not really the plot hole that's the problem. It's the fact the movie creates the space where you're, yeah. not think, you're not emotionally invested in it. And again, like, I, I also think that it's the movie being coy and clever and trying to have its cake and eat it. Because, like... She is assaulted in prison by a man who looks like he's like 30 at at the at the youngest, right? So you are immediately at that point like, okay, well it's it can't be the son because he still looks the math, 30 like 20 that, years old. That's later. exactly it. Yeah. Um and like the only way that that works is if you follow the logic of the movie where like Azabel plays Nawal as a teenager even though she is clearly like 30 something as well. So it's like, oh, we're operating by Dawson's Creek rules well, basically. Yeah, I mean that's why she was she was cast and i don't think it's a problem to have someone who's like 30 playing like yeah. a, a, a very young person I, w- I was listening to kermode mayo talk about kind of you know how to, like you know that she, are, are, are you going to say that about like james dean or kind of 
you know, they're like rebel without a cause. It's like, why is he in school? He's 27. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. Or in Greece or, yeah, all those sorts of kind of Roles. examples. Well, I mean, and, and yeah. like the argument is that like you want good actors and yeah, you cast yeah. good actors and teens <laughs> are very hard to act. Like, again, like one of the things with Villeneuve's work on, say, Dune is that like he, in Timothy Chalamet, he has an actor who is like 25 but acts like looks like a 15 year old or acts convincingly as a late teenager. And he doesn't have that here, um, which is a, a slight problem. But I do, I do th- like, I, I also... I don't think it's such a problem okay, her. Well, I, I think she convincingly plays... Um, the full spectrum of, of kind of... Yeah, but the problem is, what is that spectrum? <laughs> um, well, I, I think my problem with it is that it feels calculated. That's kind of my big thing, is that it feels like the movie is doing this because it knows that as a viewer, you won't clock that that's meant to be a... 15, 16, 17-year-old guy. It's like 65... In 1965, <laughs> she's like 15. Um, and then the, forward to like um, 1980, which actually kind of makes sense around the... the, the, the and, and But you're, but the guy is 15. Yeah. But I mean, like that, that's... And then, and then he's like 30, and but he's 30-something, and they're kind of... How young are they? The son the and twins, daughter. yeah, the twins. Yeah, because they can't be that young. No, because like a he has a postgraduate truck. mathematician. Yeah, and he has a he has like She's a job lecturing. he does. Yeah, uh, and he has a job he does with a truck. Yeah, I, and, and I know this is kind of it seems quite petty, but yeah. What well, I mean, you you love this movie is the thing. Like, you're, yeah. this isn't this isn't a, a movie breaking thing for you, and no, I, and no, it, it isn't really a movie breaking thing for me either. It's more. This is indicative of a, a thing like that's what I talk about when I talk about the movie being feeling grounded and real. Like it feels tactile and it feels like it takes place in a world where like maybe, time travel, like time operates as we maybe understand. Felt it would be too horrific if if it was a, a, a child kind of doing they, the assault. Yeah, yeah. Because realistically, like child soldiers, like they're made to kind of, you know, do uh, these horrible things, take yeah. drugs and kill people yeah. and rape people. Yep. Like that, that, that we we spoke about when we uh, did uh, Hotel Rwanda. Yeah, I was one of one of one of the uh, uh, like the um, African wars of the um, kind of nineties and noughties have, 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 have been um, a terrible example of, of 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 rape being used as a as a kind of a means of making war. Yeah. Yeah, no, and and entirely entirely understandable as well. And like, I mean, it's not as maybe if maybe the, they didn't want to do that. I was gonna say it's not as if the movie like lacks for like uncomfortable elements as well. Like that sort of like, and, and to be fair, it is a really uncomfortable movie, and it is it does make you squirm as it's meant to. This stuff should make the audience uncomfortable. Yeah, and the involvement of like a taboo like incest and and assault and rape and this sort of stuff does do that. And like, this is the thing where I'm watching it and I'm like. Does it also feel a little bit too cute, though, using like an actual conflict, not an actual conflict, because obviously it's set in Daresh, which is a fictional country, as you mentioned, the country from the from the West Wing. But like the fact that it's seems to be using this like Greek tragedy, incest, assault, like reprisal, metaphor, cycles of violence stuff to comment on situations in the real world that are quite complex. Yeah. Yeah. And and I I don't really have a problem with. Okay. That I mean, I'm sure. No, I, I'm I sure, don't. I don't sh- really have a problem with it either. I'm sure, it just bugs I'm sure me. people do. Uh, uh, maybe have a problem with that. But uh, uh, like, if I were a, um, like a Lebanese Canadian writer, 
which obviously Denny Villeneuve isn't. And they, 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 um, but is that's the kind of like story this is based on. He's talking well, the, about the, it, they, the they, direction, they, like it was, it was Villeneuve who made it generic. Villeneuve made a conscious choice to make it a generic. And I actually have a quote here from him. Uh, where he says, the main problem for me was to deal with the fact that I would put the story in a fiction land like the play did in order to stay apolitical. And at the same time, for me, it was a big challenge to talk about the Arabic culture. I think it was very important for me to have a great amount of image in front of the camera. That was my main challenge because, of course, it is not my culture. To shoot something that you don't know is a very bad idea for a film director. So we made huge research and I made several trips to Israel, Jordan in order to understand the culture. I put my views aside and asked a lot in order to be able to bring a portrait of this culture in front of the camera. So, like, he he is thoughtful. Like, it, it, he's... By not using real places and real times, he's acknowledging that he doesn't necessarily yeah. have the grounding uh, to do that. I and think. he's kind of acted with sensitivity. <clears throat> like, like yeah. I, 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 I think he didn't he work with like an, a, um, an Iraqi kind of a crew when he was in Jordan, and he was worried that like portraying these things might be kind of triggering or for like post-traumatic stress yeah. for these people but they felt that actually no it's important that these kind of stories are being shown and that's why I like the um, the juxtaposition or not juxtaposition the 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 the, the contrast one. between the heightened reality and the yeah uh, but no but, but the between the family drama and yeah. the national drama because it, it's a similar thing in terms of like um, avoidance, you know, that that the it's kind of like we used to we used to live in Lebanon. Lebanon was this place where uh, Christians and Jews and uh, Muslims um, lived, if not uh, side by side, then in the same country. And uh, we, it wasn't the Middle East covered in pockmarks it was the levant and we were uh, cultured and we did lived there for hundreds if not thousands of years and while there was always kind of like challenges we always kind of you know stuck in there and things um would eventually kind of return to normal and now it's it's not a country that they can call their home and did the, the and it working for in 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 terms of the um, the way that that uh, contrasts or compares to um, the analog of the family, where it's kind of like, well, no matter what happens, we'll have e- we'll always you know have each other, yeah. and whatever arguments we have, we'll always kind of be a family, and that that's not the case for every family, and that not every trauma is is kind of like um, fixable, and that not everybody wants to fix things and that 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 there is a kind of like um probably a a a tension maybe in the uh lebanese diaspora wanting to kind of have their country back and maybe having an older generation who doesn't want to kind of talk about it and doesn't want to engage with it yeah and i mean like again it's not as as we've talked about we talk about these things on the podcast it's not even a specific like cultural trauma to, as you point out, the, the Lebanese diaspora. It happens here as well, where you have this idea of, you know, again, like up north, you have this conflict that happened and a question of like, how do you deal with the legacy of like living next? Like I, when I was watching it's very this. difficult to talk about yeah. these things when, when like if, 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 when, when there's a large percentage of the population 
living with post-traumatic stress. Yeah. And that was what, 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 what people kind of said when it was shown in Lebanon, was that they wanted their children who didn't live through uh, this to know. Now, unfortunately, like violence um, uh, in parts of Lebanon has, has kind of re- resurfaced Research, over yeah. and over again, especially in South Lebanon. Yeah. But um, but maybe for the most part not as like the 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 UNIFIL UN mission in in the the UN interim force in Lebanon has been at, at least moderately successful. I guess I'm I'm not qualified to say, um, um, but at least since the end of the Lebanese civil war, I'm I'm on shaky foundation. <laughs> <laughs> but. <laughs> Okay, well, I, I am, and I am, yeah. But, do, but again, there is, there is a universality to, to us for legal for histor- advice or, or historical for context. Affairs, yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, like, I, I think of like I, I have spent time in in Eastern Europe, for example, and I've, I've talked. Same thing. To... <laughs> 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 yes, um, emphasizing the point. And the Far that, East. A- emphasizing the point that Andrew made there, where we talk about like not coming to this podcast for historical context or advice, but like I, I've spent time in Eastern Europe, and I've talked to people, and it you have these conversations where there are these silences and you have these conversations where there are these, these missing pages and you have these conversations where like, you'll find out that they will be like, Oh, well we are working together now, but five years ago, 10 years ago, 20 years ago, we would have killed each other. Uh, we would have been like killing each other if we had met uh, those that long ago. We mm-hmm. just don't talk about or acknowledge that now. Yeah. Uh, because that's the only way that we can kind of get through this. Um, so yeah, no, it, no, it, and it absolutely is. And again, I, again, I like the metaphorical aspect of it. Like I like the, the metaphor of again the cycles of violence, the mathematics, the the argument that it it becomes like reprisal upon reprisal, action demanding reaction, and it 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 becomes a circle that repeats itself. The the I can like the recurring imagery that you have of like the shaving of the head, the the bit where the camera pulls back in through the window. By the way, that was how uh, Villeneuve convinced uh, uh, Mumed or Mahmed to allow him. Um, apologies. Uh, Muad. That is how he convinced Muad to allow him to make the movie. Was he actually shot that opening sequence, and he was like, "Yeah, that's what I want to do." And he used the Radiohead soundtrack over it as well, mm. um, which was, that, that was you and whose army. That was as well to emphasize how this is a uh, a person who's not from the Middle East. Yeah, um, making a movie about the Middle East. That that that, that he is, wasn't pretending to situate himself in. Yeah, yeah. That so that's was. why you have like Radiohead playing. Yeah, because it disassociates um, the the kind of um, the expected soundscape of uh, yeah. a Middle Eastern based movie and that sort of stuff. And I, I like that was the sequence that convinced Muad um, to allow him to to make the movie. Uh, and he actually did. He shot that on his own and he kind of came up with the pitch and everything like that. And I think like you have that image recurring later on where like the mother then is taken to the prison and her head is shaved. And you have, again, this idea that cycles of violence kind of repeat and recur and people who do bad, have terrible things happen to them and, you know, sometimes get sucked into making terrible things happen to other people as well. And yeah, and the idea that if you don't have historical context, if you don't have grounding, you just get stuck in this like feedback loop, basically, Um, 
which again is, is an idea that I, I like in terms of like just as an abstract metaphor for this sort of violence. It does just seem a little bit reductive and kind of easy, I think, when you apply it to something like the like the Middle East or, you know, it, I, that sort of stuff. And it's it's just, it's a me problem. It's not a, I don't think it's a huge problem with the movie. It's just something that kind of takes me out of it a little bit, I think. Yeah? Yeah. Yeah, yeah because I, but like for, for, for me it works because having that analog there is an interesting way of getting people to think about um peace in 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 the world because it's much easier like like the our empathy kind of um is much easier to stretch to something like a family yes yes it is um, um and i think i think phil new himself has been like when he's asked what the movie's about he says you know again vin diesel voice it's about family yeah, because it does it does make it relatable. It does make it kind of understandable. But I I I think I think I think that it can make a a a a good argument for kind of world peace. Not to be too kind of naive, but ultimately, like I am a person who who, who believes in in that. And and it, the the um kind of uh, willingness to 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 get to world peace. I think it starts in um the way the way the way you kind of um uh deal with things on a smaller scale like uh when you build outwards act think globally act locally at the risk of being again a cliche <laughs> uh, yeah but, i'm sorry yeah no i i no, probably I'm sorry. am that sounds cliche. like i'm being dismissive or, or no, just, no 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 they, they, they just I mean, like just the the that that they're kind of um that this theme of kind of love and understanding like can 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 be a micro or a macro, and I mean and synecdoche. Um, here here's the thing though with and again it, it's the thing with the notary right the recurring image of the notary and the idea mm. that the notary is the person who like guides them as they go on this journey. He's the guy who's there it's pushing a kind of objective path. Yes, that is that is exactly what I'm getting yeah. at there. The bit where like he has there's the conversation in the car where it's like, you know, imagine if there had been notaries it's, back in it's, Noah's it's day. It's unfiltered as well. They talk about there's a there's a conversation. It's the it's the person that she she assassinates or attempts to assassinate. Who is saying I'm I'm teaching I'm teaching oh, my, my son these language. languages. I want them to understand everything. Without I mean, without 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 an, like an, an interpreter. An, uh, yeah, exactly. That that and and that what a notary does is is gives you history that, that is uninterpreted. It's not what your mother tells you. Yeah. Or doesn't tell you. And and again that the idea of language that plays throughout because you've got constant scenes in this movie of characters talking multiple languages, characters who can speak multiple languages, not speaking enough languages to be able to actually communicate with other people. Like again, yeah. all very deliberate and all things that Villeneuve will come back to. Arrival a lot of is, stuff is without around. captions, which is which is clever. Yeah, as well to create that sense of alienation for the audience as well. And again. <clears throat> Clearly, an idea that interests Velnuve as well, because you have it like you have it in Arrival oh, is about. And by the way, the, the, like getting back to the melodrama thing, but it just made me think about how, like at the start of the movie, there is this kind of um, uh, classical kind of melodrama where the grandmother is uh, she's keening. And and she she she's like, am I supposed to kill you? <laughs> and it's like, you've disgraced us. What what will become of us? 
setting the mood. Yes, yeah, very much yeah. kind of like setting up the zone the, in which the, this movie's operating. The, the, we used to have that kind of culture in Ireland. Yes, of, yes, of, we did. Of, of shame. And and that, yeah. No, no, but oh. not, not just of shame, but of despair. Yeah. Like we still have it to an extent, but of it being a cottage industry of um, uh, keening is, is, is what it's called. Is it that not only would your your Irish mother or Irish grandmother um, uh, and, 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 and I, I, I guess uh, traditionally it was something that fell to women, but that part of their role was to lament to the point that you had like professional lamenters going about. But if you watch some of the kind of uh, 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 documentaries, kind of like set around the Middle East, that's that's the, like they're 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 still very good at this kind of they it's it's appropriation. They've taken it from the Irish. Okay, oh, <laughs> all right there. Um, <laughs> Andrew's going to write an angry letter to the ambassador from Darish. Uh, he's going to get a, a big earful from Andrew about Darish's cultural appropriation yeah, of the yeah. Irish. Well, it, um, it's a countersuit to that time where I wore a shemak. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, but like, so just like in terms of that that notary stuff, what I find, like, and again, this is the thing where... I, I wonder myself, and again, this is maybe something that's not not a discussion of the movie, but like the the question of like where where do where do any of the characters go from here? It's it's a an argument that like if you can figure out where we were, you can figure out where we are. I think it brings them closer. Okay, and I I I think um, I don't know if um nizad uh, kills himself immediately. Yeah, that was that was like that was what i was wondering like I, was yeah. like, like I don't think he does like at the risk of being incredibly cynical about this movie right what does anybody in this movie who is living at the end of the brings game brings the 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 twins twins closer and maybe they even get together <laughs> 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 they're like canoodling in the off, pool right? yeah um let, okay thank you andrew for that um, the 250 with for all your sensitive and thoughtful movie coverage um okay thank you thank you andrew for suggesting that incendies could be the yeah. i believe the front page of Pornhub is how you described yeah. it at one point um, they're stepchildren they're, 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 they're He's like, oh, he 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 uses that line from the movie, and it's like, oh, it goes in the family. <laughs> <laughs> um, but like more more oh, serious, more serious. <laughs> yeah, I know we're dealing with this with wonderful tact and dignity. More seriously, like I do, I do wonder when I was watching it, like what, like Simon is angry at his mother. He is angry at her at his mother because she like never opened up to him, never revealed anything to him, like kept an emotional distance from him. Mm. And but also I, because I, she's weird. Also because she it's, was it's, weird, it's, and like, I feel like I feel like the, the resolution of I this can't movie really is... relates to that thing of wanting <laughs> parents to be normal. But I know that it's a thing. Uh, but like I, I'm like, well, like, do I think Simone comes out of this? Like he, he I will freely admit. Simone not really well adjusted at the start of the movie. Jean Jean seems a bit more well rounded. Oh yeah, he he absolutely does. But like, I'm like at the end of that arc, is that arc like better? Like is like he he always needed so. therapy, but I feel like he needs more intense therapy after this. I think it has been therapeutic. Okay, I think um, 
you know that 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 um like whatever cliche you want to use like the, that light, light is the antiseptic or the truth will set you free um i think it's going to be very difficult to cope with the things that they've learned but i think it's better that, that they, they do know them yeah and I mean, and, and, you know, the same again, uh, you know, about Abu as well, as you mentioned, the question about of whether or not Abu kills himself immediately after the movie or just like <laughs> slowly drinks himself to death in response to it. But like, and again, the, the, the way in which the movie, you know, you have the letter to the father and the letter to the son and the idea that people are complicated and the duality within people and the contradictions within people, which is, is interesting and kind of complicated and ties in like it's a nice counterpoint to all the maths imagery that kind of runs through the movie because you have that whole one plus one equals one thing where people are not a mathematical equation which is a nice way you know of getting around as we mentioned the idea that well of- yeah the, the, but that's the idea of the, the as well i think it fits into people uh being more than um uh you know pe- people's stories starting before before they're born and, and, end, and, and continuing after. after they die that yeah. it's not an equation yeah well yeah. i mean there's that line from like simone after she passes and he's like she's gone now it's over peace at last i'm very peaceful he shouts as he slams the door of the car but yeah the idea that yeah that's that's not right this isn't resolved yeah yeah and it needs to be resolved after she's gone um and again like i i get that conceptually but part of me is also like yeah this is no, no. I does anybody leave this movie healthier than they enter it? And I think yes. you're, you're more hopeful than I, I do. I, yeah, you I, are more I, hopeful about that. I do believe that. Yeah, I, okay. I think um, I think avoidance is is. I think the, the 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 world the world never kind of like becomes better by people trying to maintain um, the status quo. Generally, I guess that it, that it's people wanting to kind of. Um, uh, work through things, yeah, and and with uh, with hopefulness, I guess. Um, and okay, so yeah, and before we then kind of before we wrap up, just again some stuff I want to point out in terms of like watching this as a Velnou film, because even here you can see I think hallmarks of style from him as a director that he'll kind of go on and will be... waste one of his themes. Do I want to do this now? Let's let's do this now then. So food waste, Andrew. Yeah, there's a couple. There, there's like, um, it's quite a delicious meal is left out for her while she's um, uh, pregnant with her um, her first child, Abu Tarek. Um, that looked good. It was like a... Uh, uh, a pancake and a kind of like a um a few different things um and then i think it was later on with does she also like refuse to eat when she's having the twins yeah yeah and i mean like i i do also like that when she's in like when she's in the city and the like coup is taking place or whatever the kind of war is raging like she's with her friend and her friend says mom they attacked the university and her mother's response is that's no reason not to eat. That's right. So I yes. do feel like that's a counter. That might have been the other one actually. There <laughs> mightn't have been. There mightn't have been any with the with the twins. Um, all right then. And, and in terms of smoking, is there any smoking here? I, I don't didn't think actually there was notice any. that much. I don't think. I, which is I, ironic for a movie called Encendes, literally meaning fire or or scorched. Yeah, yeah. I don't think anybody in the film is um, smoking. I would probably. 
um, have a cigarette. <laughs> 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 if I were a character in this movie, and I, I've given up smoking. Like, I feel like I you get a if, pass. Yeah, I think I would. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I feel like anybody who's like Andrew, I thought you quit smoking. You're like there are bigger things to worry about right now. Um, but yeah, okay. So when like <laughs> somebody says to me, like your father is that man who lived with your mother. It's like yeah, I know that. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Oh, I thought that would be like fundamentally altering do you your want identity. A cigarette? <laughs> it's like, no, I'm cool. Yeah. Um, 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 yeah. By the way, like to the point that we were, the discussion that we were having earlier about whether or not like anybody comes out of this stronger, there is a line between the twins, I think, where I think Simone says, you know, sometimes it's better not to know. And then uh, Jean replies, I live with it anyway, or I've been living with it anyway. So I think that speaks to your point about how. Yeah, it's either it's either kind of it's either there and it's kind of unspeakable or unknowable. And but it's it's what it what it isn't is um, something that you're immune from. Yeah, it, it hangs in the air anyway. It's, it it's inescapable it or unavoidable. It's, it's the collective kind of unconscious or something. Yeah. Dreams are messages from the deep, Andrew. They That's are, in right. fact. <laughs> but, um, all right then. And before we go then, I just, again, like watching this, having watched a whole bunch of Villeneuve movies recently, very distinctive style. So you get a couple of the, like, the trademark shots, like the bit where Simone is wearing the blindfold. And you have the intense close-up on him and then the out-of-focus shot of the person sitting on the couch behind him, which is something Villeneuve does very often. It also happens during the birth as well. You have the recurring image of, like, branding and tattoos to mark people, uh, and particularly to mark people as, you know, people to be followed or people to be watched. Like, again, happens a lot in Dune. Happens here as well with the three tattoo, the little tattoo marks on the uh, on the foot as well. All that sort of stuff is there as well, I think. Um, so I think that kind of, again, speaks to Villeneuve as a filmmaker. The use of the the bit where they go into the refugee camp or where the refugee camp was. And the characters are kind of like navigating labyrinths, trying to figure out where places are, trying to orient themselves. Very similar to how he shoots stuff in Sicario. Yeah. Very similar to how he shoots stuff uh, in Enemy and Prisoners, all that sort of stuff as well. And like, again recurring thematic interest and we probably maybe talked about this on dune so don't need to talk about too much here but the idea of elnuve as one of the big post 9 11 filmmakers where a lot of his movies uh even more than you know you know again the superhero genre arguably defined by 9 11 but in a in a very superficial very american-centric way Villeneuve's films tend to grapple with the war on terror more metaphorically so you have the Recurring desert imagery, which is obviously here. It's in Sicario. Uh, it's obviously in Blade Runner. It's obviously in Dune. It's the entire setting of Dune. Uh, but you also have things like here you have, again, this cycle of violence in the Middle East, which is very similar to how, say, Sicario presents its war on the Mexican border as an, you know, an extension of the war on terror, for example. And again, Dune as well has obvious kind of parallels with the war on terror as Can well. Can I say something that I think marks this movie apart from other Villeneuve New movies? Projects, yeah. I, I find Villeneuve as a filmmaker uh, terribly humorless. <laughs> like that that there there's it's, there's it's very, very well. I mean, um, I guess when we were talking about Dune, there are there are kind of like token kind of like moments of 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 levity. smile gurney. I am smiling. Yeah, Have you put yeah. on some muscle. Have I? No. 
Yeah, but that, that that's that there 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 are moments in this that are gen, genuinely hilarious. Yes. I mean, may, maybe people find those bits in Dune very very funny, um, and maybe maybe having something more funny in a movie like that would would be out of place. But I I I, I think we both enjoyed Ahmed. Yes. Um, <laughs> and and I think I think we also enjoyed the, the the scene with the metal detector. Yes, where the two guys just walk through the metal detector <laughs> and it just beeps because it's they're obviously so carrying obvious guns. That yeah. they're guns. <laughs> <laughs> they don't like, and but it's great because they they don't have to walk through the metal detector. There's enough space for them to walk around it. They make the conscious choice to walk through Not it. As, hiding it. Yeah. yeah, it's like, well, what's the point in having a gun? Like I love. But you don't have them. You don't have to. The the, the great thing about it is that these are two guys who don't have to walk through a metal detector to reveal that they have guns. You just look at them like for a second and you know that like, oh yeah, these guys are packing. Yeah. Well, there's a bit where they show up where they're like, would you come with us? It'll only take an hour. And it's like, you're going to end up in a hole in the desert. There's like a 50-50 chance that nobody ever hears from you again. Um, I love the bit where they're like, can I call Can I call my sister? And they're like, no. And he goes, okay, I've got to put some pants on. They're like, you know, he's calling the notary. It's like, yeah, it's Grant. It's fine. <laughs> Which I kind of, again, like in terms of kind of humor, um, in terms of kind of, and again, balancing, I think, a lot of the darkness and heaviness, because this is a very brutal movie. Yeah, I um, think that's important to do. Yeah. Uh, I would agree with that. All right. Is there anything else you want to talk about? Anything we haven't discussed yet with regards to Incendies? Anything that you want to talk about? Anything we, anything jumping out at you? Moments, beats, I, characters? I felt like um, G, 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 Gian needed to do like a Marie Kondo in a room. I was surprised that it's like a kind of like a mathematician, but that's, I suppose maybe that's not so unusual for a mathematician, but like her, her underpants and everything were just all over the place. Well, I mean, it it's a visual metaphor, Andrew, yeah. it's because her life, and it's, maybe, it's messy. maybe the attraction to mathematics is to try to kind of put order on things. Yeah, to well, to reduce complex you know, equations down to simple mathematical formulas. Um, and again, I kind of like the the weird thing where she goes and meets the professor. And he's like, oh, yeah, no, no, I was busy solving all this kind of like the seven bridges of Cronenberg. So I was off in Paris when this happened. I remember all the events in my life by reference to mathematics, which is a nice, again, contrast to the messiness of reality, which I think works uh, and i think kind of fits with the whole metaphor aspect of it the whole melodrama aspect of it i i do like a good running metaphor and the math stuff kind of works for me in that sense um so yeah no i i do i appreciate that stuff uh, and i think yeah the the messy room is not not exactly uh, you know kind of subtle in terms of <laughs> this is what the movie is about it's almost is like she has some stuff to work through is all of this trauma bringing me joy <laughs> Can I just just decompress myself a bit? Um, You know, a lot of trauma is recyclable, Andrew. Um, (laughs) Just putting down the green bin. All right, then. Uh, Anything else jumping out at you? Anything else you want to remark on? Anything we haven't discussed already? Not for me. All right. I am done as well. So we've reached the end of the podcast, which means it's time for recommendations. So, Andrew, what would you recommend for listeners? What are you enjoying at the moment? What would you like to share with people in the world? Well, I I, I guess we've kind of shared a lot of it already. Like I mentioned Philip Lark and This Be The Verse. Um, We spoke about um, Marjan Satrapi's um, Persepolis. both the film, which I can wholeheartedly recommend, and 
the graphic novel, which which I'm sure is also quite good. I think I've dipped into it, and um, like it, it's 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 very much the film is kind of a uh, very direct. Well, yeah, I mean, it's yeah. it's animated, which allows it's a, it to yeah, be. Which it's is... a it's a cinematic kind of um, adaptation of yeah, and it it's 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 the same art style. Um, I enjoyed it a lot, and it, it's it's. It's similar in terms of like um, in some ways in terms of a, a woman kind of obviously it's different in other ways but it's a woman dealing with transition in the uh, Middle East and um, I'd also recommend that the, the uh, uh, speaking of Lebanon the um, um, in in Cherto series. Um, so fooled by randomness, um, the black swan, and to a lesser extent, skin in the game. Even though it predicts the pandemic, so kind of like hats <laughs> off to it for that. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, Otherwise, um, it's kind of clunky. It kind of rests on its laurels. After yeah, that, it's yeah, like... yeah, yeah. It, it it's maybe a book that is more appreciated <laughs> now. Um, in hindsight, yeah, yeah, yeah. But the, it's crazy how how it does do that because they like a lot of the point of these books, and some of it is kind of comes out of him being a product of the Lebanese uh, civil war, and growing up is is the idea that um, events that are thought uh, to be unlikely um, kind of uh, devastating consequences. And these kind of black swan events where, where, where the chances of them happening are so low, but when they do happen... The consequences are extreme. Yeah, that they can change the world. Yeah. Um, Nassim Nicholas Taleb spoke actually last uh, year very well about COVID, about how like the 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 a lot of kind of the understanding of risk is is mistaken, and how um, like he uses the kind of metaphor of um, people thinking of the average depth of a river. Like when you're going to be crossing it, yeah. Rather than what is the deepest point, <laughs> you know. Yeah, and then so the consequences. Like if, if you, yeah, yeah, and the consequences of if like walking into a river and yeah. then uh, falling into like a gully, but it's only it's only like a very small part of the river, <laughs> you know. The 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 um person's thinking that like oh the river like average is about <laughs> waist high, yeah. so I can just cross this river. Um, oh, yeah, like, human understanding of risk is not great. I would argue, like yeah. human, human brains are not very good at processing the like. Do it, yeah, do it because I I think um, uh, early on there was this kind of idea of um, there was a figure of like two million deaths. I think was given, and the fa- f- fact is that it could have been a lot less, and it could have also been a lot more. But there was a kind of like a fixation on that on that particular figure, and that it's not going to be. Like that's the thing about projections is like it's, it's not going to land exactly going to on be wrong. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's more to set a game plan there. But yeah, they, 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 and that that that's a kind of it's it's an interesting kind of um, book in order to kind of like prepare your mind for these um, enormous uh, things like COVID. Yeah, um, that can come 
seemingly out of the blue, but the, the idea... There are indicators. The idea yeah. that you can't kind of like ever have predicted that this could happen. Um, it's just not true. That, that, that it's just very unlikely. Yeah. All right. And in terms of recommendations for myself, I went down memory lane. I looked at what else I saw at the Dublin International Film Festival back in uh, 2010, 2011. Uh, and what I would recommend is just some movies that I quite liked when I saw them there. So Preludio is a very small Spanish language movie, which I really, really liked. It's a very intimate, romantic story about two people who meet at an evening party and strike up a conversation. Wakewood, which is the Irish Hammer horror movie starring Aidan Gillen and Timothy Spall. Uh, Outrage, which is the beat Takeshi Yakuza action movie drama. And Julie Taymor's The Tempest, which is her take on the Shakespeare. I was a big fan of Titus. Uh, Temp uh, sorry, The Tempest isn't quite as good. Uh, but it does have Helen Mirren uh, playing Prospero, so it's it not is a great play, is it? The Tempest or Titus? Tempest. I well, I, I, I've I've only seen one kind of production, production of, of it, it, and it was fine. But it, <laughs> it's it, perfectly it adequate, like you know, kind of. Well, it's not uh, one of the great ones. It's his no. last one. Like that's the thing, isn't it? Like as far as like Shakespeare is concerned, that like the Tempest is the last big one. It's the one that kind of like rounds out his work. It's seen as the like a late work. So, you know, I mean, of course, all the hipsters love it. They're like, <laughs> Shakespeare was as good as he ever was, man. You just can't appreciate how good The Tempest was. Yeah, listen, this this Mama. brew. Yeah. <laughs> um, Dig it. <laughs> that, that, thanks, Andrew. Um, and, and The Adjustment Bureau as well, actually, which is a movie I saw at the festival and really loved. That's the one where hats give you the power to move magically through doors, starring Matt Damon and Emily Blunt. It's one of the most absurd romantic movies I've ever seen. And I really liked it. It is very silly, but Darren is entirely on board. Those are my recommendations. All right, then. That about wraps it up. So next week, as Andrew alluded to earlier, we'll be back taking a look at Smolensk, which is ranked on the bottom 100 movies of all time. I'm probably really going to like it because it's a foreign language movie, right? I, I know. Based on our track record, I'm expecting Andrew to come in like blazing hot on this conspiracy yeah. theory thriller. Just put some of that like uh, foreign gravitas stank on it. <laughs> <laughs> Sprinkle it right there yeah. for, for the hipster goodness. Um, would it help if I said it was the latest work from that uh, director in question? It's like late uh, work. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's late foreign language work. That's fantastic. You know that since we we may have recorded that ahead of time. Like this early since, stuff. Since we've done that, there has also been a Hungarian uh, 2021 political thriller based on real events that has come into the bottom 100. So we may have to do a double feature. Oh my goodness, what's that about? <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh. oh yeah, Hold yeah, on. Sorry. yeah. What has possibly happened in Hungary? All right then, take it easy, guys. We'll be back oh, next God. week. <laughs> <laughs> Bye. <laughs>